We are in the midst of a economic crisis of historic proportion. San Antonio does not have to continue to be one of the poorest big cities in the country. We know that creating paths to economic opportunity is the way we break cycles of generational poverty. Research shows the problems of poverty, underemployment, and disparities in education are not new problems in San Antonio, but leaders say they were all made worse by the effects of the pandemic. Miron Nirenberg recruited a task force of education, business, and community leaders to propose a plan to educate and train workers for higher paying jobs, hoping to help jobless workers first and prepare them for in-demand positions and growing industries. I asked him about the proposal to redirect a one-eighth cent sales tax toward those efforts, what it would mean for the aquifer and trail programs that money currently funds, historic poverty in San Antonio, and why the program proposes childcare and rental assistance, along with the training itself. So first, I want to just kind of paint a clear picture of where we are right now. I know the data shows 160,000 people out of work because of the pandemic, but even before that, and as we've really seen over the past few months, there were people working shifts at two different nursing homes, for example, or working two to three jobs in order to make ends meet. How widespread is the problem of underemployment in San Antonio right now? It can't be understated. Uh, San Antonio is uh, has struggled prior to COVID with chronic underemployment and the fact that you know many people in our community, thousands of families have struggled uh, in poverty as a result of it. So what we need to recognize is that it's not good enough just to go back to the way things were when people were still struggling on the brink. What we've recognized through COVID, what the world has recognized through COVID is that too many millions of people have been on the verge of economic catastrophe. And so what we wanna do with this program is to build upon the CARES Act Recovery and Resiliency Program that is underway uh, that is bringing people back to work and, and back into safe, stable careers, but also uh, continue that effort for the next four years after that program ends, recognizing that the economic recovery, the crisis does not simply end in September of next year. We're going to have to continue to work at this. So in this uh, economic recovery initiative that voters will uh, hopefully approve in November, we will have the opportunity to put displaced workers and unemployed and underemployed workers on a pathway to develop the skills to enter into stable, sustained careers uh, post-COVID. Uh, up to uh, 10,000 workers a, a year, so 40,000 total in addition to the 15 total uh, that are being served through the CARES Act Recovering Resiliency Program. Uh, anyone uh, who has been uh, who has uh, been displaced or has been unemployed, uh, underemployed, will be eligible onto two paths. One for workforce training certification uh, into a number of different careers that are, are in demand. And then for those who have uh, some type of post-secondary credit but not completed, mm -hmm. there will be a path to a two and four year completed degree all of those folks that are part of this program will have emergency assistance and case management 
to help remove some of those obstacles that have hindered completion in the past. So this is a great way not only to get San Antonio families back on their feet and our economy recovered, but also in a way to, it's also a significant jumpstart to our post-COVID economy because San Antonio does not have to be, does not have to continue to be one of the poorest big cities in the country. I want to talk a little bit about the specifics of this plan and then go into a little more of the overall mission and vision for it. I know that this is separated out into different types of workforce training and resources. If you can kind of describe how this is targeting specific industries where we know there are jobs present and how we know that those jobs are there. So the certifications um, and the industries that are involved were identified through the San Antonio Economic Development Foundation jobs report. Mm -hmm. We're talking uh, maintenance repair technicians, certified nursing assistants, child care associates, careers like that in, uh, that will provide a, a certificate within two to four, two to 12 weeks of a program. Mm -hmm. The two and four year degree programs are in demand jobs also identified in those industry reports um, that we know are going to be here post COVID and that offer sustainable, uh, stable careers, manufacturing and aerospace, biosciences and healthcare, professional services, technology, cybersecurity, construction and trades, those types of careers. We're not reinventing the wheel. This builds on several different initiatives, including the city's poverty report, the status of women's report, uh, the Economic Development Foundation post-COVID jobs report, um, it, what's happening with Alamo Promise, but also uh, Texas A&M, San Antonio, UTSA. So this is a community-wide effort to, again, affect uh, a significant portion of our San Antonio economy and bring tens of thousands of San Antonios back to work, not just so they can go from one job to the next, but actually move up the economic ladder and get them, the families and get our entire city out of uh, the entrenched poverty that we've experienced over generations. It also funds for wraparound services, things like childcare, rental assistance, for example, even car repairs if someone were to need them. For people who aren't familiar, can you describe how instrumental these parts of the process are in terms of somebody successfully completing training or education? They're extremely important because we've seen time and again that a health event, uh, childcare, uh, a utility bill, a rent payment are sometimes the obstacle as minor as it may sound, that ends someone's trajectory and someone's path uh, for certification or to a degree. And so this program provides case management, navigation through some of those barriers, as well as emergency financial assistance. So we take away those barriers and the, and the, the worker, the family can ultimately complete and be on track again for one of these careers uh, and, and more stability within their household. The city has used equity as a framework for policymaking and decision-making on other issues. And the city's status of poverty report showed, for example, that single women, for example, make up a larger percentage of households that are living in poverty right now. How will those issues be addressed through this plan? Absolutely. And remember, this is a midterm strategy. We, we currently have just embarked on our CARES Act Recovery and Resiliency Initiative, which is helping folks right now mm -hmm. uh, get into the training and ultimately the stipends as well as the, the job at the end of it. That's happening right now. This starts in the fall of 2021, uh, where that program ends. And so uh, with regard to how we enroll folks, uh, there's this is a huge 
opportunity uh, for people. And, and, and such a significant number of workers will be able to be enrolled in, in these programs uh, that we, we think there will be plenty to go around uh, for folks who need it. Um, but it ultimately will be first come, first serve. But we will have to do some outreach, obviously, to make sure that people are, are aware of the programs and are ultimately enrolled. And then the plan is to essentially put this toward workforce development for a few years and then to VIA. Will voters vote on both of these together or are they separate packages? How will that work? Yeah, they're separate. So the city council will be asked to call uh, the election next week uh, for the workforce uh, economic recovery initiative. Uh, VIA will then take up the question there, uh, on their board about uh, once this program ends, then then the revenue flows over to the transportation agency, but they're separate initiatives. This one-eighth cent sales tax previously was going to aquifer protection, trailways. How are those now going to be funded? Yeah, so uh, for the last six to eight months, we've been working on an alternative um, strategy to make sure that the aquifer program, the linear creekway system, both of which I have been a, a, a strong supporter of, continue and so we are we are continuing uh, that effort and uh, the aquifer program currently is funded with sales tax uh, it won't expire uh, that sales tax until next year uh, when it does it will roll into the city revenues and it will be continued that way the conservation advisory board is taking up the ordinance uh, to establish that um, mechanism that will allow us to continue the aquifer protection program uh, for the foreseeable future this is not an entirely new issue. At the beginning of the year, you had said one of your goals was mobility. And then in remarks that you gave at a church in February, you talked about how about 22% of San Antonians live in poverty and that we kind of take that for granted and maybe we don't have to take it for granted. How long have these types of projects been in the works? Uh, was the planning on this underway even before the pandemic? And has this really just increased the need for fast action on it. This is a significant jumpstart to our community. Obviously, it's just a start. We have a short-term strategy in place with the CARES Act Recovery and Resiliency Program. This now creates a bridge uh, in a midterm strategy that lasts about four years to get us to a long-term, uh, brighter future. And so what we want to accomplish here is to ensure that San Antonio families can get back to work. And those who have, dis have been displaced, particularly those whose jobs may never come back are able to acquire the skills and education to get into the jobs at will, which by and large are requiring more education and more skills. By doing that, we create the, the spark that I, I believe can start to break generational poverty in this community. We know that creating paths to economic opportunity is the way we break cycles of generational poverty. And this is exactly what uh, this economic recovery initiative is, focused, initiative is focused on. We have to continue to do work after this, uh, and we're going to continue to do that. But this is this is one of the um, this is one of the key elements of us building a, a stronger economy for the future that our children and grandchildren will reap the benefits of. And then I know I've read the agenda memo, and we'll see the ballot language eventually, but. If you can just make it really clear, what specifically is your question and pitch to voters on this? We are in the midst of a economic crisis of historic proportions. 
And this comes on top of the fact that we know San Antonio has had historic issues with generational poverty and underemployment. We have an opportunity as a community now to ensure that we not only get San Antonio families back on their feet and our economy recovered, that we can, but that we can also build a strong economy for the future in which families, workers are not going from one job to the next, but are proceeding up the economic ladder. San Antonio does not have to be one of the poorest big cities in the country. We are putting ourselves on a path to now uh, economic resilience uh, and equity for our entire community. You said generational change. Is there anything else that you want people to know about the impact that just one or two high wage, even living wage paying jobs can make for a family, for kids, for their neighbors? The challenge with generational poverty is that it has an exponential effect on a family and a community. One family unit that lives in poverty has a much lower uh, likelihood of achieving education uh, and training in the next generation to achieve uh, a career that is stable and that allows for a family to live out you know, above poverty. So you, you factor that in generation after generation, and it creates a challenge in which we have a city that is one of the, the poorest big cities in the country with 22% poverty. We have to address it at its core. And, and the opportunity to break poverty for one family has that exponential impact generationally on that family, but also on the entire community. So imagine if we can do that for not just one family or two families or 10 families or 100 families, but we can do it with 50,000 families. That's exactly what we're doing over the next um, four and a half years with the CARES Act Recovery and Resiliency Program and now with this economic recovery initiative that voters will get to approve in November. And is there anything else that you think is really important for people to know and understand? I just, um, I'm grateful. We've had a cross-section of the community. Um, you know, our, our higher education institutions, our industries, community members, uh, COPS Metro, a lot of different folks at the table to build this initiative. And I believe we are at the threshold of the most significant positive economic change for our community ever. And I'm looking forward to the discussion that takes place and, and ultimately the vote that happens in November. This was Commerce Street, a podcast from Ken's 5 Eyewitness News. You can find more stories like this one at kens5.com slash commerce street, or you can subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Thanks for listening.